Hello and welcome to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. And today the country is Nepal. And the thing that you need to know about the Nepalese community is it's one of the fastest growing communities in Tasmania. The point where I believe Nepali is the second foreign language in Tasmania now, but just behind Mandarin. And you know, whenever I mention this to uh, locals that we've got lots of Nepalis here, they say, oh, I don't, I don't see any around. And that's possibly because they're there and if you uh, really look there's Nepalis working all over the place they just may be flying under the radar a bit so because of that I think it's really great that I've got Prakash here who has uh, a Nepali who's lived in Tasmania for quite a while and has seen many changes in the Nepali community in Tasmania and uh, hope that uh, the listeners will learn a lot more about the Nepali community in Tasmania so welcome Prakash thanks for agreeing to talk to me so perhaps we could start by um, just could tell us uh, when you came to when did you come to Tasmania and, and what were the reasons for you coming here well thanks Mark um, yeah I came in Tasmania back in 2008 it was 8th of August 2008 we got landed me and my wife here and uh, the reason we chosen to come to Tasmania and especially Australia is for overseas studies so I came as an, as an international student and what, what did you come to study uh, well I started uh, doing accounting um, I wanted to continue doing accounting but due to some disturbance in terms of uh, getting permanent residencies and things like that I had to change I had to change it and then I chosen to do uh, hospitality so I did a commercial cookery um, uh, here in TAFE and then did a diploma um, in hospitality from Industrial Link. But, so why did you change what was was there a particular reason why you chose hospitality? We had a goal just to settle here for long term and to achieve the goals uh, the best way to achieve that goal is to get a permanent residency and while doing accounting there were some changes in um, in, a, in students' um, visas, and um, the accounting was taken off uh, from the permanent residence list. It came back later on, but that time it was taken off, and I was like, first semester was through, and I just thought, like, no, I don't want to get into it, and um, it's paying for no reasons. Um, that's why uh, the international student advisors, his name is Peter. He just recommended me, is just like instead of taking risk, um, you better get into the commercial cookery and there is a good opportunity to get permanent residence and I was very young I didn't think for I, I didn't think seriously so I just I was I was really young that time so I just took instant decision to change uh, my course yeah right. did you have any do you have much background in cookery prior to that uh, ne- no not really I just I saw mom cooking at home that's all um, that's all I never had done any cooking to be honest um, but um, there was no choice to make your uh, you know to achieve your goals uh, you had to adapt new challenges and that's what I did. What were your first impressions of Tasmania? Yeah, I was a bit nervous. The day I got landed was as soon as I came out of the aeroplanes, it was really windy and cold because I came in the middle of the winter. Me and my wife were like, oh my God. The, the, the best thing I found about Tasmania is like their hospitality is really incredible. Um, the day I got landed here, the, the, the cab driver was um, really helpful. Um, he just gave me a big map and he asked me to, uh, he just helped me out to find out the place where to go for shopping and how far is my college everything's what 
whatever conversation I shared, he just helped me out to, yeah, just uh, guide me in the right way. And on top of that, um, people, wherever we go for shopping or, uh, you know, applying for a job and stuff like that, they, we found them really positive. Great. But what was, what was some of the initial challenges that you experienced? When I was here, there were like hardly uh, 15, if I'm not wrong, 15 to 20 Nepalese people here in Tasmania and um, no, not much references uh, to find out the job. We had no idea what are all the industries looking for people and what is our potential to go and apply for the job. Uh, we were completely unaware, so we were just randomly trying our luck and there were failures once after another uh, in terms of getting job and that was the first thing to find out the job to, you know, sustain yourself here. Um, the other big challenge was like me and my wife both left Nepal first time and we, we are very nostalgic. Once I get uh, once I get nostalgic, my wife support me and when once she gets nostalgic and I support her and back up her and, you know, that's how it was and um, and especially for my wife, um, the first couple of months she had a hardship of understanding um, the English here because um, she was very good in English back in Nepal but the way Australians speak English was entirely different and it took a while to adapt um, to understand and acknowledge how people talk and how we communicate on top of that Tasmania is full of slang and, and it was really challenging for myself as well and um, sometimes um, when you go outside um, you know wherever you go there is a bad people in community and we were a victim of that couple of times when we go outside to enjoy so when you say bad experiences what what was that like people yelling out to you just when we go for um, celebrations like Christmas days or you know hot summer days we go out to have a few drinks and when we come out you will see a bunch of idiots around the street they're just yelling out to you when we were driving back to back home and they were just throwing eggs and stuff like that and they were using bad languages which was not appropriate uh, we can't say that in the media but yeah that sort of things um, we just got quite often uh, we, but we just tolerated that's very rare didn't happen at the workplace didn't happen at the universities or tape wherever I went um, but when you come out to socialize with the local people we had few bad experiences um, yeah yep. and can you remember any examples of, of slang you heard that you're just like what What the hell is that well yeah there are a fair bit like um, um, they just when, when I go to work um, they, they use their own slang you know like uh, when, when they ask me to go and get up get something and they goes um, how much you pulling out and I was like yeah I'll get a whole tray and they are like no that's a chuck a block Mike you can't pull out that's chuck a block and I was like what's that so I'm just looking to each other all those colleagues are laughing on me and they just did some prank with me um, and it was really really bad some languages they asked me to go and deliver to the waitress oh, okay. yeah it was seriously harmful but I was completely unaware of it and I did it and there was a bit of issues and at the end they were all laughing it's um so yeah there were many examples of that <laughs> but that's that's quite a good example of uh australian culture or or, or of, um, the way that australians behave to each other socially which, yeah. which can be misinterpreted exactly actually. right look um because i i came from the different culture and background and the culture here is why here in tasmania or in australia is wide open i just had to adapt it and took a while now if that sort of things comes i might i must probably know it and deal with it very easily how did you uh, at the beginning how did you sort of learn to adapt to the culture and like just life here well once I realized like this is what it is in culture it's a very basic things and you just need to adapt and if you learn it will be a fun part of your life in a long term podcast you just get into it mate come on you can do it so uh, at workplace I just got really keen to learn the new words and the slangs so I work at the same place for 
longer than 10 years now and that's where I learned most of it. Yeah. So tell us a bit about how you managed to, how you first got your, got work here. Yeah, it's just, I was, I was doing um, commercial cookery uh, back in 2008, uh, end of 2008 and when I was like first years done, they just, the college had a program to send uh, students who is just going through the commercial cookery to the work placement. So there was a three weeks work placement program. It, it is a mandatory program for all the international students to go and gain that experience, what exactly happens to the workplace and what is the differences we can find out um, between workplace and the institute. So that's when I was sent to the place called Fish Frenzy, that's seafood restaurants at Salamanca. And um, I just went there as an international student and they asked me like, what sort of visa you have got? And I said, I'm holding student visa and I'm doing commercial cookery and I've got 20 hours work restriction in my visa. I can't I can't work more than 20 hours. That's my visa restrictions. And um, the, the head chef there asked me everything. And I honestly answered those things. And I worked there with them. And um, once once I finished first week and the head chef came back and asked me like, uh, are you keen to work if we offer you like 20 hours a week work? And I was very thrilled. And I was, I was like, absolutely, I will come and work. And that's what I'm looking for at the moment. And that's how I got my first job. And uh, I just continued working as a casual cook at that time. And when my visa was sorted and I was able to, when once I was in temporary residency, I was able to work full time. And when, when my visa restriction was over, the business um, offered me to work as a full time chef. And I just all accepted the contract. And then we built up the relationship um, and they offered me sponsorship. That's how I got permanent residency. So yeah, it's, credit goes to my business and all those senior management people uh, to look after me and my families. Yeah, but you must have done a pretty good job for them to show that kind of faith in you. Yeah, absolutely. Look, when, when I was there at the beginning, I was the first brown collar chef working in a kitchen. All local lodge mites were there and the owner quickly got back to me and said like, if you got more people like you who is willing to work, uh, we need people like you here in business. You, if you got any mites, just bring it over and we will give them the opportunity to work like what you have done. And I, I had a few, you know, jobless might around and just asked them to come and work with me and they kept proving themselves like we are all good people I just I just did that bridging roles but at the end they are the one gone to the workplace and proved themselves like they are all hardworking people so whoever I take into the business they prove themselves like we love challenge we love working hard that's all we want and slowly now there is like 40 percent of the employees working in my workplace are from uh, they are from Nepalese origin people and they, they really appreciate what I have done to the business bringing all those good hardworking kind peoples into the business it's not i'm saying it's this is what the the senior management level peoples are frequently talking mm -hmm. so how did your you said that all the colleagues were, were locals yes right? and how did they react to having uh, this was their first nepalese oh they person? were very welcoming um most of them were very welcoming but we had a few bad cases like um and i don't blame them because most of the time this incident takes place was like when they are toxicated or they are having some sort of depressions or anxiety. They had issues in their personal life and not only with me, they just come and ruin the environment of that particular day. It's not personally attacked sort of things, but that's what we learn and we just dealt with it like all other colleagues, they just come and says, talk to me, this is not for you, this is for whole entire team and he's having his own issues, he's dealing with it. So that's his frustrations coming out. Yeah, yeah. well it could be, working in a kitchen can be quite high stress at times. Oh, absolutely. And moreover, we're working one of the most big 
religious restaurants in Hobart and um, it's always something happening there um, very busy um, but yeah you, you need to deal with it um, if you're not good enough it's very hard to work at the workplace like where I'm at um, you should have a cool temperament and you should be able to handle the pressures because it's the, most of the tourists comes in a cruise ships that is the first door they go and have food so you have you always have to be ready for that challenges and yeah if you have some issues outside the work you you, you seriously can't focus on your work and that's what happened there sometime and we just supported we tried to support it you know we tried all the time just to motivate him and what we personally can do we did our part to be honest yeah you, you mentioned getting to know locals at, at work was that the main was it easy to get to know local people yeah absolutely it's very easy to communicate with them uh, I was a bit uh, you know like I was a bit nervous like how to communicate with them and how to make them friend but the way I was thinking and the way they are it's entirely different they're very wide open and very welcoming and if they think you are not talking and you are a bit shy they realize and they just give you the environment like you know like come on mate have a chat have a drink you know let's let's do it so that sort of nature they had and it's so welcoming for me to be honest yeah, but what, what, what were your expectations before that what, what did you think Australia well was I was right? like I, I used to watch the movie <laughs> English movie and the only thing was shown in a movie is pretty much about the conflict between the white people and the black people and you know how welcoming the uh, the, the, the European cultures for the refugees and that sort of things and I was a bit, bit nervous uh, I was wondering like I could be the now the victim of what I have witnessed in movies and that sort of mm-hmm. things but I was completely wrong that's just a movie I, I, I never got any issues with anybody in terms of you know like building up the relationship and friendship yeah that's how I made very many many local friends now you just sit back and just expect people to come and have a chat with you it can be possible but it takes a while so you you need to you need to stretch your first leg to build up that relationship you need to be open up you need to be you know you need to open up and talk to them and you know just ask them if you have any issues or anything to discuss about anything you are not aware of it and people seriously loves it rather than you are on your own and you know sitting back and expecting people and things to come to your door that's what i think that's what i did that's how i made many friends yeah and i don't blame those peoples for setting back and being quiet because it could be the influence of your culture too so yeah. i'm not blaming them but that's where we came from you know we very shy nature when we go to the school we just you know do the namaste to our teacher before any class begins back in nepal here it is different i was shocked when they were like good i might when to their teachers hey hey pete hey andrew what's up mate that's how they present themselves in the classroom having a red bull in their hand you know wearing the shorts on so it's a bit, bit different here what we were we were coping back in Nepal it's a different system growing up in Nepal what kind of environment did you um, grow up in it's it's a family family environment uh, it's a friendly and family environment and a bit of a tough gotta be very respectful to your parents and your grandfather or grandmother and all the respectful member of the families so like um, my mom and dad I live with them all my life back in Nepal and we got a cousins next door and um, my grandfather my grandmothers they were there and all the uncles and aunties were neighbor so it's at the end of the evening they just go, they all together 
over and uh, watching the news, talking about all the things happened during the day and all the, what are all the things they're going to do as a families. They talk about their kids and always appreciate when they do the good things. He, he came first in the classrooms and if you're not doing well and you you put your head down and listen to them and once that happens and mom and dad they are like oh he's doing well and you need to be you need to be accelerating to to be as good as what he's doing um that sort of competitive competitiveness there in a family as well and on top of that you gotta be always careful what you do during the day because they are noticing you and once you come back playing soccer or cricket and they are like oh, you haven't done your assignment and you just go straight away and play the cricket your exam is approaching if you don't do this i'll just you know stop all the privilege you're getting to play the sports uh, that's how it was and but at the end they were very caring the food is always ready on the table um they always call for lunch before you you know the mini mini breakfast and they always ask you like you got your school uniform iron and everything dressed there good to go so it was very easy um relaxing and very on top of that from your side you gotta be more polite and respectful to your parents and all the senior member of family i would say because we were three different generations so the extended family is obviously very important in the Pali culture so does that mean that everyone in the family has something to say about uh, your life yeah yeah like whoever are senior members like uncles aunties grandfather mother they got the right to say whatever they want and you can't deny the fact what they are talking about So did you grow up in, was it more of a rural environment or more kind of city area? It was a town. It's a it's a town with all the facilities available. Yeah, that's where I grew up. But uh, my, my grandmother's grandfather, all those heritage were a bit far and I always used to go and enjoy there, seeing those rural uh, life of villagers. Um, it was very overwhelming, to be honest, because I love the natures and I go there and enjoy myself. Whenever there is a school holiday, I always rush to my um, uncle's auntie's place mm-hmm. to play with them, uh, do some sort of farming with them and what did your what did your parents do my dad is a teacher he used to be a teacher a long time ago so he was a principal in primary schools and then he done his uh, master degree and then he got promoted so he went to he went to the universities and became a professor and um, mom was a simply simple housewife she just look after us feed us you know and my dad is a book writer as well he's recently finished yeah. his phd yeah he published a couple of books about this political situation in Nepal and some social workers. So since you first came to Tasmania, what changes have you seen in the local Nepali community? When I was here, it was really, 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 really tiny little community. We were like, we were limited 15 to 20 people in Ireland. And we all know each other that time very easily. The, the mass gathering was limited to some house. We celebrate all the feasts and festivals in some particular person's house rather than doing mass gathering like what we do now. But now the community is boomed. It is grown up rapidly due to many, many reasons. Um, uh, we're very fortunate to get many Nepalese peoples um, here in Tasmania so we can do what we need to do. Uh, like what we are doing now, we've got our own cricket team. We have got our own associations. We have got our own community called Nepali Society of Tasmania. So we expanded as a big family now. Well, what, what are some of the cultural activities that the Nepali community celebrates? Or? Majority of the people, they follow Hinduism. 
and that's that's the main religion in Nepal and they celebrate Dashera that's called is Dashi and they also celebrate Diwali it's a festivals of lights um, and there is another festival of color that's called Holi so we celebrate those mind festivals plus all the ladies in our community there is a festival called Tiz so before Dasi comes a month ago or maybe a bit earlier than that all the ladies they have a particular festival uh, so basically like uh, the ladies put all the good costume and go and dance and celebrate and basically the males the, the male member of male they just um, organize that platform for their ladies or their sisters or their wife to go and celebrate teach and they also get participated to celebrate with them so those those four festivals are the key we've been celebrating in Tasmania so what what is Tej actually celebrating? Tej is about um, you know, like in our cultures, once uh, the wife, the once the girls get married and go away from her parents, and she lives with her husband to the different house. So you know, like both both sides, she is missing her parents, and the parents are missing her daughter, or you know, whatever. And that the Tej is the day they just all get together, all the females. So it's like a reunifications of um, those people who are missing from each other, especially mom and dad with their daughter who's got married and living with husband for 10-12 months hasn't seen them for a while so that's the day the husband from her his side he just sent her to go and celebrate with her parent and that's when they all get together and you know share what what happened during that time you know so the mom with her daughter are oh, you been missing for like 10-12 months what are all the things happening and so is that a specifically Nepali festival or it is a specifically Nepalese festival yeah a decade ago, like soccer used to be a major sports in Nepal, but the things has been changed rapidly. Um, and the credit goes to the Nepalese cricket team. They started doing well. They started playing good cricket. They party. They pa- They participated and they played on um, T20 World Cup in Bangladesh, and they became ODI status nations. Uh, so after achieving so many things in tiny little period, there is a big expectation from Nepalese cricket team and the, the, the Nepalese city. Nepalese the nation is erupted to see the outstanding achievement they have been achieving one after another in short period of time so the whole nation is erupted and they've been supporting cricket and uh, on top of that um, like you said the Sandeep most probably the first Nepalese sportsman to play the sports in such a higher levels you know like I playing IPL and Big Bass League yeah. and that has given the faith to all parents like cricket can be commercial to their kids and that impact has driven all parents to send their kids to play cricket and all the young generations who's grown up with Sandeep the similar age yeah. people we're talking about Sandeep Lamachan yes yeah. so they have they have decided like okay cricket can be commercial and it can give you name and fame so that's when that's where the cricket is at at, the, at Nepal now bring it back to Tasmania one thing that maybe many people don't know is just how many uh, Nepalese here are playing playing cricket and so tell us a bit about the, the Gurkha legends like how did that how did that start it started back in 2011-12 we all started casual cricket in a backyard uh, just to waste the time you know like just sort of fun cricket and slowly and dramatically the number started increasing players started moving in Tasmania and we just made our mind like it's a time we have to have our own team and play cricket no matter what because the number looks pretty promising and we can't expect the goal we can't expect the results in one year or two years but at least we can set up this system so we will be recognized
recognized as a team and we will be recognized as a stronger um, cricket club in future. That was the goal and that's what we did. And 2011, 12, 13, we were in building phase. We're getting players, putting them in a team. And at the same time, some people get settled and move out. So we were in the situations of building the team. And from 2014-15, we got the security. Now we can have 11 players for the season because we have a decent numbers. And 15-16, we played many friendly matches with the local um, team. And we came to know where our level is at. And we thought, obviously, if we get few good players, we can be a challenging team very, very soon. And that happened in 2017, I would say, when we decided to play the first intercultural sports league. And then we were boarded as the best debutant team of the season and we narrowly missed the semi-final so that was the situation in our first year and since then we've been getting many good cricketers and this year's ex-international players too I believe yeah yeah we got few international players I've got our captain Sagar Khatka he's played under 19 cricket from Nepal wearing Nepalese jersey uh, Amrit Batrai uh, our key player he has played for Nepalese national team for so long he played the senior level cricket for so long and um, since his wife moved Tasmania he has chosen to live in Australia and on top of that we got so many good cricketers came here in Tasmania from Melbourne and Sydney and we all know Australia is a cricket loving nation and our community has grown up we got so many poten- so many youth with huge potential and um, so th- this th- that this is our responsibility now to play the cricket and to give a birth to the good cricketer who can go and participate in senior level like A grade cricket hopefully soon in Hobart Hurricanes team or maybe the Shield cricket that's our goal that's how we want to um, give something to our community Here's a question that will test how Australian you've really become. Uh, how much do you know about Aussie rules football? I, I do. I do it very well, I would say. Um, I don't. I, I can't be arrogant and say it's like I'm very good on that, but I think I'm 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 onto it, to be honest. I got my own team. I followed Geelong. Okay. Yeah. So uh, when I came in 2008, the next season, 2009, Geelong lifted the trophy and they became a champion in 2011 again after a year's of break. And um, yeah, I've been following them and Australian rules, to be honest, is the most thrilling and exciting sports I've ever watched. There is a goals every two minutes, yeah. not like a soccer. You wait 90 minutes and it ended up being draw. Uh, the footy is different. Every minute is thrilling. There is a mark. There is a suspensions. There is a tackles. There is a goals. It's a it's a thriller. So did you get to know about Australia's football for your people at your work? No, 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 not at all. It's like, oh, I mean, from here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was completely unaware of it uh, when I was in Nepal I didn't even hear about it to be honest but when I came here I went to the workplace and all the colleagues all managers chefs waiter waitresses they all following Australian rules and without knowing Australian rules you are completely isolated in a weekend because they all watch and you know celebrate Australian rules and that's when I started um, adapting that new sporting culture so I just um, one one of my might was big giant Geelong supporter so so we watched the game together at his place and we had a barbecue and few beer and we started watching Geelong beating some rival teams called Hotham and I saw that excitement and the vibrant environment at his place and that's when I decided okay I'll support the Cats and I became a Geelong fan. Yeah, nice story because I, I, I didn't think of um, asking about that before but in one of the previous interviews I asked this uh, woman what her advice would be to for new 
migrants to kind of help integrate into Tasmania? She said, "Do you have to know about footy?" Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's if you if you if you really love to you know enjoy your life here in Tasmania, it's always necessary to follow certain sports. If you if you say like it's it sounds a bit different, but it's it's the fact. Like if you if you go and if you go to the pub and if let's say like they're playing Ashes series and if they ask you might ah the, you know the Aussies are going to win and if you're like oh I know nothing about cricket it doesn't yeah it doesn't sound great in that environment similar way if you go in during winter and footy season and everybody will be celebrating footy and if you know nothing about footy you are isolating yourself from that bunch of yeah if you even know a little bit it can help you start a conversation yeah it's just a way of getting to know people exactly a bit about sport in Australia it's a great way of getting into a conversation is there an equivalent sort of thing in Nepal for yeah, social conversation uh, this, it's similar like here in a youth circle they completely um, busy playing some sort of sports no matter it is cricket or um, volleyball or football um, that's where the most of the youngsters are busy apart from studies and work uh, having said that the older generations um, they, they have seen the hardship and they're busy talking about their crops the bad weather the government incentives the government subsidizing um you know what sort of season they're going to have in terms of growing the plants and vegetables and crops and they always talk to each other about their you know the grows and farm farming is the best um you know the topic i frequently hear in nepal yeah because 80 percent of communities uh, economy is relying on farming and what i have seen i i can't be wrong now because i have left nepal long time ago but in my generation i mean in my time when I was there they used to talk about farming all the older generations and we just go and play sports that's how I was grown up if you talk about Nepali people, um, the first thing I have to put on the board is like their hardworking nature. Uh, it's not what I'm saying, but you can collect the statistics here around in Tasmania. Soon as they migrated from mainland or Nepal and came here, they they have found the job and their consistency and their dedication and hard work has been appreciated. So many people have won the award in hospitalities and most of the businesses have got the chef from Nepal, other waitresses from Nepal, all the, the different domains they are in and workings um, their references has been always good so they can adapt the culture they are not stubborn type of people like I want this to be happen because this is my culture they are very flexible they adapt the culture value very well and um, they just become very flexible uh, to accept and follow what are all the l- rules and regulations set up by local business uh, they're, they're very flexible on that Nepalese people are very kind they're always happy to help other people because that's how we've been grown up because Nepal is very poor countries and supporting each other is the best way of living in Nepal and that is still in their gene you 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 can imagine when the Queensland floods or bushfire took place our communities uh, collaborated with the Red Cross and they went to do the blood donations time after time and I'm pretty sure our firefighters were uh, offered the help by our Nepali society of Tasmania even built community was provided the support by our community so you can see their involvement like because soon as something goes wrong they always erupt to they come out and support no matter what they always very emotional people and they step up to expose their you know the emotions in the right way and um, they they love their countries and background and they get uh, heartbroken if someone says like uh, you are from third world countries you are from poor country they can't they, they, they cannot tolerate that and they get yeah. really upset about 
they have real pride, pride in they the pride in they they very pride about the country and you know the patriotism is really high uh, in Nepalese people and what about, what about advice, advice for getting, getting to know, know local you need to open up that's that's the only way you can um, you can get closer to the local people if you love sports you know just go and play and talk to your teammates and the opposition teams you know like uh, share your knowledge and gain some knowledge from the opposition team as well you know if you really like some um, conferences and things like that or if you love the music music there is so many places you can go and you know get socialized and just open up you know where you're from what you have done in your past and you just share everything with your local uh, local communities people and they start listening you they start believing on you if you are very isolated compact sort of people living at home um, you're not gonna get that opportunity to open up it's just my perspective but um, I recommend Tasmanian people you don't have to follow my culture you don't have to follow my background because you are already good where you are at but my simple advice uh, after living more than a decade here what I found is like you gotta be more respectful to your parents and senior members of your families you know you've got the room to keep the pets in your house but your parents are living in age care which is really sad and this is the culture where I found like your dad has to make an appointment to have a dinner in a Christmas time with your parents, your 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 sons and your daughter. So it is really devastating from my perspective. Like the you don't have to you don't have to take an appointment to see your um, sons and daughter here. If they're back in Nepal, and that has to be changed. You need to be more respectful. What they have done to look after you, uh, you know, to to grow to grow up the kids is one of the hardest things. Yeah. I have noticed since I have got two kids, I became since I became a dad, I have noticed like growing up the kids is the toughest job and you know all those hardships we've gone through to look after the kids uh, has made me even more respectful to my parents and it has to, it, it apply to all parents all over the universe yeah the, the, mm-hmm. the best things of having family is um, family is all about um, family is not about the numbers family is all about compassion obsessions love support that's what family is all about and you gotta realize when you are in good positions and when your ex- existing members of the families is in bad situations or position you know that's when the families matter you gotta step up and then pull them up from their hardship when your mom and dad gets vulnerable it's your responsibility to look after them as much as you can and if somebody's get depressed or you know like losing the track and you can't simply tolerate or ignore him that's the most defining time as a good family member you gotta step up and pull him over from that devastating time and how have you has your family that like how it like how you oh they pretty much Aussie mate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty much Aussie um, they go to these schools um, they they doing what the lo- what the local kids do does here um, we've been trying harder to teach them at least how to speak Nepali uh, forget about writing it's gone but yeah. uh, we're trying to we're trying to you know motivate kids to speak Nepalese so they do not lose what their origin is you know we've been trying harder and it's been working really well apart from that they're happy to live the life what normal people here lives in but what parts of Nepali, Nepali back home really important? About I, I I expect them to keep that respectfulness all the times, which I talked about before. Like um, as a family, you gotta be respectful to your mom and dad. I want them to continue that, um, no matter what they do in the future. I just want that portion to remain forever with my kids, and um, that's how our generation is grown up. So I, when they grow up, or, you know, choose something to do, and they, they go away from my house, I I do not have any issues. You 
you know that's how the life is all about i'm far from my parents but we still have that attachment you know i came here to bring my future bride but it doesn't mean i have forgotten my parents i have been in touch with them so this is what exactly i expect from my kids 